Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome back to another year of Calvary Live. And so blessed to be with you once again as we've entered into a new year, 2018. It's hard to believe, but uh, we have indeed gotten through the Christmas season, and now it's a new year. I am Jeff Figgs, pastor of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado in the heart of Weld County, here to take your questions about the Bible or Christian living, or perhaps you got prayer requests that you'd like to uh, just uh, give, and I'm here to pray with you and encourage you in any way that we can. That's what Calvary Live is all about. So you heard the number to call to be on the air. It is 303-690-3000. We have open lines, so grab one of those open lines, and let's talk about the, uh, the Word of God. Uh, let's go to the Word of God for answers, for clarity, for understanding, and also to be able to go to the Lord personally as you give your prayer requests. Now, some people were asking last week if Calvary Live went away. Uh, we did take a break, and uh, one of the text questions came in asking, are uh, you no longer taking questions? We just took the week off, and uh, it was nice to have a little break, the guys that host Calvary Live. And so we are back for another year at Calvary Live. So welcome all the Grace FM listeners in the front range of Colorado from Pueblo all the way up into southern Wyoming. You're listening live. And then you on the East Coast, the Hope FM radio network in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and New Jersey. You can call it this time as well. And uh, we will be able to talk with you, and you will get through. You are a week delayed, but um, the neat thing about that is you'll be able to listen to the conversation next week. But you can call it this time, and I'll be happy to talk with you. As I've already mentioned, there is a text line that you can text in a question. It's a text line only, and that number is 720-336-0897. And I just want to encourage you. Put that in your favorite so you can just pull it up, both uh, the number to be online uh, at 720-336-0897, the text line to give your prayer requests or questions, or to call live 303-690-3000. And so I uh, would love to talk to you. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us in the new year. I do have a verse for you before we go to the phone lines, and that is from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. And uh, as the Lord declares, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that is my prayer for all of you that are listening, is that you would look to the Lord. He desires to do a new work in us daily. And as we enter into this new year, even if you feel like that you're in a season uh, that is very dry and barren, you feel like you're in the wilderness or in the desert, that the Lord desires to refresh you and to renew you. And that's my prayer that this program does to just bless you in that way, to be refreshed in the Lord. 
Lord. And so uh, it's a wonderful verse that I like to read at the beginning of the year uh, as the Lord desires to work in our lives and to do a new work uh, in 2018. Also, I just want to start the program out by praying for the Douglas County Sheriff's Office, uh, for Deputy Zach Parrish, his uh, widow and and, uh, two young girls, and all those affected, the other deputies that were shot, their family, of course, on New Year's Eve, early in the morning, and uh, and Deputy Zach Parrish, his end of watch came on December 31st, 2017. And uh, I just want to, to pray for uh, everyone involved, in the, particularly in the Castle Rock area, Castle Rock Police Department. I want you to know that there are people praying for you uh, all over the nation, and uh, certainly here uh, in Weld County, uh, and our thoughts and prayers are with you. And I just want to encourage all the uh, listeners that support uh, your local uh, law enforcement agencies. We need to pray for our first responders and support them because uh, they do a good work and an honorable work. That's what God's Word declares in Romans chapter 13. So I'd like to just pray for that situation and uh, for those uh, involved in what happened on New Year's Eve. So, Father, I do pray. Lord, I pray for uh, Deputy Zach's family, uh, for his uh, wife and two young girls. Lord, the pain that they're going through, the loss that they're going through of, of not only a hero to them and to us, but to a husband and to a, a, a father. And Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, bring your comfort to them in this time of deep grief. Lord, that you would bring your strength to them. And Father, I pray for all the families of those uh, who were shot, the deputies. And um, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, uh, they would recover uh, quickly. They would recover fully. And uh, Lord, that you would be with them and in every way. I pray for those of the uh, Douglas County Sheriff's Office, for the Castle Rock Police Department, for all the law enforcement here in Colorado, um, the wonderful work that they do. Um, I know it's devastating when they lose one of their own. And Lord, I just pray that you bring comfort and strength to them during this time of mourning. And Lord, um, that you would uh, protect them and keep them safe and uh, bring them home safely to their families. And Father, I also pray, uh, Lord, that uh, they would know that the work that they do is a good work before your eyes, an honorable work. We thank you for them. May we as a community and as Christians support them in every way, all our first responders. And I also pray for those counselors that are there and the chaplains that are working with them, that you would give them um, just wisdom and, and strength. And I thank you that they're available to bring uh, them the comfort of the Lord, and uh, that you would work through them in every way. So we lift all this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Let's go ahead and go to the phone lines. Let's go to Bianca in Aurora. Bianca, hey, how are you doing? I am good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year it has. And this is going to segue right into my prayer request and praise report, but okay. I it has already been like this second day of the year, and the Lord has already been answering 
a few of my prayer requests, and I'm just so grateful for that because even if there's hardships that some people are going through, I know that the Lord has a plan, and I can't wait to see what that plan is. And so I just praise the Lord because recently he has given me the finances to be able to go to Israel this year. Praise God. And so um, now my prayer request is that the Lord opens up a door for me to be able to go as well as a travel partner because obviously I can't travel on my own. So I just like prayer that the Lord provides this travel partner and that he opens up the right door for me because I really I believe that this is the year I need to go since I have the funding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Bianca, a verse that came to my heart when you were speaking about how the Lord has answered your prayers and provided for you, um, and where he does guide, he provides. But in Jeremiah mm-hmm. chapter 33, verse 3, you probably know the verse, that the Lord yeah. says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And he does have a plan for you. And um, he has a plan for all of us that are listening. And uh, so, um, Father, I do pray for Bianca. I pray that, uh, first of all, is she gives thanks to you for providing for her the funds to be able to go to Israel. We know how valuable that is. And I do pray for a traveling partner for her, that she'd be able to go, that would be there to help her and and uh, to be able to come along and just be able to serve her in that way. And Lord, I do pray that you would work that out. And Father, that uh, as Bianca continues to have a love for the nation of Israel and and, uh, those prayer times, that Lord, that you would encourage her and bless her, continue to work through her life as you desire to do. And and Lord, that she would continue to see your faithfulness. I, I think about how we can look back at the past year at your faithfulness, and we want to look forward to your faithfulness uh, because, Lord, you want to do um, great and mighty things which we do not know, but we can just trust in you and look to you and everything. Do that work for Bianca. Bless her in every way, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, and speaking of our prayer times for Israel, I have kind of taken a break, but I'm resuming again, and our next Pray for Israel will be again next Tuesday, starting at 6 p.m., as we are praying the second and fourth Tuesday of each month, so just keep that in mind. All right, Bianca. As you guys heard, next Tuesday, 6 o'clock, praying for uh, for Israel. And uh, we'll be praying for you, Bianca. Keep us updated, okay? All right. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Bianca. God bless you. 
I just want to remind you is uh, if you ever get a ch- chance to go to Israel, um, it is uh, such a wonderful trip. We went in February. Uh, there was 40 of us that went on a study tour, and uh, it is uh, so wonderful to be able to see the land. It makes your Bible come alive. We went all over Israel from the very northern part of Israel, Mount Hermon, uh, clear down to the Dead Sea and over to Jerusalem and, and all over the Galilee region. And to be able to see the land and see those biblical places that we read about. Uh, Pastor Chuck uh, used to tell us that it's worth a year of seminary, and it really is. And so it is worth the trip. It's a trip of a lifetime. If you get a chance to go, Take uh, the opportunity to be able to do that. Well, how this works is when somebody hangs up, there is an open line. So 303-690-3000, give us a call, and uh, let's go to Chris in Littleton. Hello. Chris, how are you? Happy New Year. I am good. Good, good. Thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. You bet. Um, What can we do for you? Well, I'm I'm a relatively new Christian. I've heard... Years and years have gone, I don't want to say back and forth, I've always believed in Jesus, I've always, you know, felt as though I accepted Him in my heart, but it's like I never really, I guess, fully repented until a few years ago when um, I really accepted Christ and I got baptized and I started going to church and I really stopped, um, you know, putting all the really the sins that I was committing and really sort of committed myself. And it's not an easy path. And the the more I read the Bible and the more I, um, you know, try to, I don't know if intellectualize is the right word, but just sort of come to grips with Christianity and how to really live a life that I can live as a Christian, I come across so many things that bother me in the new, especially in the New Testament. There are so many seemingly different um, contradictions about what Christianity is and what it means to be saved. I was always told you're saved by grace through faith, and I have that. I absolutely believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. I have no doubts whatsoever that He came to Earth as a man and and was killed for us and was sacrificed for us and was raised the third day and is now mm-hmm. our God. I absolutely believe that. There's no doubt in my heart about that at all. But I read in the New Testament constantly where it says, and even Jesus saying it, that you'll be judged by your works. I see that over and over again. I see, right. I hear pastors saying, faith without works is dead. Um, right. I, I, I read the story of, of the talents in Matthew and and how if you receive Christianity and then you basically don't go out and, and become a recruiter or a sales rep for Christianity, that you're not only not saved, but you're also wicked, that you're also yeah. way on the other side of the scale. It's just like, which one is it? I mean, yeah. is, there a, Chris, is there a rule book somewhere that says, you know, <laughs> well, here's, a, I think, here's a list of how you go to yeah. heaven because everything seems to contradict itself, and it's now just starting to drive me crazy. I don't, yeah. don't want to live this way. You know, I almost feel like, man, maybe I should just go back to smoking pot every day or no. doing whatever, because I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to live this life that I think is a Christian-based yeah. life, and then the, I'll get it, to, to stand in front of Jesus, and he'll go, um, sorry, depart from me, I never knew you. 
You know what I mean? Like, how? what do I do? How, yeah, it, and here, here's the thing, and I want to help you out, Chris, because what you're doing is you're conflicted. And, and what you need to understand and what I desire for you to know is to be able to rest in your salvation. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself. You you started out by saying you read the verses that were saved by grace through faith, um, and that's true. Ephesians chapter two, and and what you what happens is you continue to go through the scriptures. You're going to find that really there is not contradiction. You have been saved by grace. Um, uh, that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. So salvation is a free gift, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay? So there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. There's no amount of works. The problem is, is all of our works are like filthy rags before the Lord, is what Isaiah declares. So we cannot stand before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I've done to to earn salvation. Um, it Grace means unmerited favor of God. When Jesus cried from the cross, he cried out, It is finished. Um, it is done. He did the work on the cross. That's what he was saying. Um, I've paid the price. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to save ourselves. But with that said, we know that the Lord desires for us to to uh, walk with him, to look to him. So Paul goes on and says, We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We don't do those good works in order to be saved. We do those good works because we are saved. So you mentioned that those who come along and say that you're going to be judged for your works, we are going to stand, Second Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to throw a lot at you, Chris, real quick, but okay. for you to continue to continue to study the scriptures, continue to get good biblical teaching, that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be judged what we have done in the body, whether good or bad. Here's the thing you need to remember. We're not being judged for salvation. The Bible talks about that we're going to be rewarded for what we have done. There's rewards that are going to be given to us. And the Greek word there for judgment seat, it's also Paul uses that word in the book of Romans, that it is the Bema reward seat of Christ. And in the Corinthians, when they read that word, they knew exactly what Paul was talking about because they had the Isthmus Games, the Olympic Games. They would stand at the Bema reward seat and receive rewards for what they have done, you know, and so there's rewards given to us. Our works will be tried by fire, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but it's not talking about salvation. That Jesus took the judgment for you and for me on the cross. But with that said, the Lord says in the parable of the talents, the parable of the minus, as we uh, are ones that we occupy till he comes, that's what he said in Luke's gospel, that he desires to use us, and then he's going to reward us. So there's two different things. When it comes to James, when James says faith without works is dead, he's not contradicting what Paul writes, that we're saved by grace through faith. Paul would emphasize the priority of faith. James is just talking about the evidence of faith, that if you have faith, that is going to be evident in your life somehow in some way. And and so that's where they're coming at two different angles to come to the same conclusion. And that, Chris, is what you're going to start sorting out. Listen, don't tell anybody 
you know, or don't let anybody tell you that you're saved by some kind of work, that you have to be baptized, that you have to witness so much, that you have to worship on a certain day, that you have to belong to a certain church. Those things don't save you. It is faith alone in Jesus Christ. He did the work, and his death on the cross is sufficient for our salvation, knowing that he rose from the grave. But with that said, through the sanctification process, as he has set us aside and desires to work through us to use us, there are rewards to be given, and we are going to be judged for those works to receive rewards, what we have done, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, okay. I believe. And then also it is spoken, that's what Jesus is talking about, being a good steward of what he's given to you. Uh, the parable of the talents is a little different than the parable of the minus, and it's talking about being used of him in rewards, but it's not talking about our salvation. So that's the foundation that you're going to be working from, and hopefully that helps you out. It really does. And the one thing that—and can I just ask a question about Scripture real sure. quick while we're on the same subject? In Revelation 2, 4 and 5, when he's talking about the Ephesians, he's, uh, well, 3, and you know, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary, in part 4, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So that was another one that was like, okay, here are these good people, but they do one little thing wrong, and now you're going to condemn this entire group of people. Well, I don't understand that. It almost, there's so many different parts of the Bible like this that make me think Jesus is actually looking for ways to keep you out no. of heaven. No, he's you, being he's being very honest with this church. The, the church of Ephesus was a major church in proconsular Asia. And as you look at its history, it's amazing. But at this point, as Jesus is writing a letter to them, he's con- he's um, commending them on the things that they're doing good. He says that, I know your works, your labor, your patience. And this was a church that was busy. This was a church that was doing a lot of works. This was a church that, you know, you went there and there's, you know, projects and, uh, you know, meetings every night and stuff. But he said, I have this against you. You've left your first love. And what he is saying to them is that you've left your first love for me, because that's the priority, Chris, is for us to love him. And Paul comes along and he says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way that you can offer your body to be burned. You can, you know, uh, you can do all these things, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. And that's what Jesus is saying. Our love for him is the priority that he always wants us to go back to, and everything that we do needs to be motivated for our love for him, even as Paul would say in Second Corinthians, that it's the love of Christ that constrains us. But what he's saying in that, that if you don't repent, if you're just going through the motions and there's no love, you're, you're not going to see me there. I'm not going to be in a church where there is no love, is what he's saying to them. So it is the love of Jesus Christ that constrains us, that motivates us. And Jesus said to his disciples that you will know that you're, they will know that you're my disciples by how? For your love for one another. 
So the emphasis is not works. The emphasis is loving him and loving others. That's the greatest of the law, and that's what the Lord was telling them. You need to get back. You need to repent and remember from whence you have fallen. Remember what it was like when you first came to me, how, you know, for me, everything changed. I was, you know, the love of the Lord in my heart. I fell alive for the first time. And then go back and do those first works. Do those works because you do love me and because uh, love is the priority always in the Christian life. Gotcha, boy. This is a tough book to figure out, man. <laughs> yeah, just keep keep studying, Chris. You know what? Keep looking. The Lord is not looking at ways to keep you out. He's looking at ways to just grow you in the love of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. The most important thing is to know him. It's more important okay. than, than serving him. Keep that in mind. Now, I'm not saying serving him is not important, but just to know him and to keep, keep you know, your eyes on him. All right, brother? What are the key ways to do that? Study the scriptures. Study the scriptures. Know him, because the more you know him, the more you're going to love him. That okay. That's how you do it. It's like growing your relationship with him. And I'll tell you what, everything that we do for Christ ought to be because it's the love of Christ. As you look at what he did for you and his love for you, you can't help but just grow in your love for him and devotion to him. So get to know him, keep reading the scriptures, and it's going to start coming together for you, Chris. It won't drive you crazy, all right? Thank you very much for your help. I really appreciate it. You bet. Keep in touch with us, all right? Okay, thank you. If you'd say a prayer for me, I'd really appreciate it. Absolutely, Father. I pray for Chris that he would come to know more of your grace, that you're not a mean old God up in heaven, you know, desiring to keep us out, but Jesus came to die for sinners such as us. And as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Father, I pray that you administer your love and grace in truth to Chris, that he would grow in his devotion and relationship with you. And then what he does for you is not because of guilt, not to try to earn favor with you. It's because he does have favor with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just do that work in this new year, uh, working that new thing and new truths into his life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, blessings, Thank Chris. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, okay. thanks for calling. Appreciate it. 303-690-3000 is the number to call, and so uh, I'd love to hear from you. And, I, I, you know, the one thing to keep in mind is this, that the Lord loves you. He's not a mean old man. You know, some people think that the Father is some mean old man up in heaven, leaning over the banister of heaven, waiting to zap everybody, you know, with the lightning bolts on his side if we get out of line or if we do not, you know, do enough. And here's the thing. Um, that some people will try to do things to get the approval of God. You have the approval of God. You have the approval. That's why Jesus Christ came and died for you, because of his love for you. So I pray that you would always remember that. Let's go, before we go to break, to Dave and Fort Collins. Dave? Yes, sir. How are you? Thanks for holding. You bet. Uh, got a simple question. Gone, gone uh-huh. to church all my life, and... Uh, I've seen a lot of changes in it, and one of the changes that I've seen is how uh, women are taking more and more leadership roles in the church. Right. And I, it was just, you know, uh, they call it progress, and I was just curious what—I don't think the Bible changes that much. And well, no, just, the Bible doesn't change, and God's Word doesn't change. 
And, you know, there is, you know, there are churches that call themselves progressive churches that, you know, um, do things that are contrary to God's word. And, and one thing, uh, Dave, you might hear the music and I might just break for a minute, but I want you to hold on when we come to the other side. You're going to hear it in about, uh, a minute here. But I want to be able to address your, your question because there has been a lot of change in the church. And, and I know what you mean, the church at large. Um, there's, um, there are those women that have taken the roles of pastors and, um, and, um, other things that have come along. And, uh, we know what God's word declares. Now, I, I do want to say this before we go to break that women are to be used in the church. They do have a place of ministry. And, um, and we'll talk more about it. So, uh, Dave, if you'll just hang on, okay, as you hear the music, that means we're going to break. And on the other side of break, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But it's a good question that you're asking. We'll be right back to Calvary Life. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live as we begin a new year, 2018. It's such a blessing to be with you, to start a new year with you. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us as we do the program Calvary Live and uh, so give us a call at 303-690-3000 to be on the air, or as you heard, the text line to be able to text in a question at 720-336-0897. Wow, some great questions in the first half. And let's go back to um, our previous conversation with Dave from Fort Collins. Dave, you still with us? Yes, sir. Thanks for holding on, and Dave has been so patient in holding on as we've been on the phone uh, with others. But Dave, one of the things is um, I, that I want to pr- um, make sure that we understand in the listeners that in the book of Titus, it tells us that the older women likewise, um, that they are to, to admonish the younger women and to love their husbands, to love their children. Women do have a ministry role and we see it here. We have some very capable women, like uh, women that are teaching lady studies. Uh, I think that's very appropriate. We have uh, women that are teaching the children. We have women that are working in the nursery. Uh, we have women that um, are work, uh, serving in practical ways and making meals for others. Um, and, you know, just all different areas in the bookstore, things like that. So it isn't that in the church that women have no ministry roles. Of course they do, and they're very much a blessing. And I couldn't do the things that we do here or the church without the women that are there using their gifts, being used in those practical uh, ways uh, of ministry. But with that said, we also know when it comes to uh, the uh, office of, when it comes to the role of a of a pastor, we know that Paul is very clear in in First Corinth or First Timothy chapter three the qualifications of an overseer, a bishop, a, a, a shepherd, uh, a pastor. They're all interchangeable words, but he's very very clear. He says that uh, a bishop 
uh, must be blameless, the husband of one wife. So it's very clear that Paul declares that the elder, the shepherd, the overseer is to be the husband of one wife, and so the leadership is to be given to uh, the men. He also would say right before that that I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over man, but to be in silence. So again, um, for me personally here at Calvary Chapel Greeley, I won't have a woman teaching um, the congregation, you know, on a Sunday morning, a Bible study. Um, we do have, we have a women's conference coming up at the end of the month. We're going to have women that are teaching, very good teachers, but they're going to be teaching a women's conference, uh, women's study, teaching the children, um, teaching uh, those in the congregation under the authority of, of the pastors that are males. So that's what I see in um, the scriptures, and that's the way that we have things um, organized in our church here. And not to degrade women at all, uh, they have a very important role in the church. They are a tremendous blessing, very intelligent. Um, sometimes I say that there are women in this church that probably could run this church better than I could, but they haven't been called to that. Uh, he's called the men to do that. So hopefully that helps you out. Well, I got... Um in our church, there's a uh, uh, a woman there that is a is a very gifted teacher. I mean, obviously gifted. Yeah, and has been allowed to more and more lead, you know, the main service on Sunday mornings, and uh, trying to figure out what to do with that. Well, be praying about it, and you know, you can talk to. The leadership of the church, and and that's what uh, you know. There are those who are facing that, and um, so you know there there are things like I said. You kind of put your finger on it. They can be very good, very good teachers. But for me, I know what the scripture says, and um, and I like to adhere to what the scripture has to say. And that's something you're going to have to pray through, um, and maybe talk to the leadership about. All right, Dave. Appreciate you. Yeah. Hey, can I pray for you real quick before you go? Sure. Yeah. Father, I pray for Dave, and he, he asks a very good question because, um, Lord, I know there's a lot of debate, but I know what the, the Word of God says, and, and Lord, I just pray that as he wrestles with this, that uh, you would give him a peace that rules in his heart, that you would just guide him and direct him, and, um, and Lord, um, we, we just want to uh, as we search the scriptures, be able to have a peace about it and be able to do things in faith and that you would guide him um, in, in the days ahead and and not knowing what to do, but you would speak to him uh, through the word and that still small voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, sir. You bet. You bet. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Nick in Baltimore. Hey, Nick? how you doing? Good. How are you? How are things out uh, there on the East Coast? We're cold. Cold, cold, cold. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah. Um, I'm just calling. I have a simple question that you've probably had, heard a thousand times, but uh, just wondering, you know, they say the only way to to, to Jesus is, uh, you know, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Well, what about the people that are in remote tribes and areas of the world that, you know, that, that the regular public yeah. never going to be able to access? Yeah, and and that, that's a good question. People ask, you know, what about the person who's never heard of Christ, uh, who's or, never heard or, or, the gospel or, 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 message? Never 
about yeah, race. Yeah, we'll never hear. And, you know, with, with knowledge comes responsibility. And all, all I can say is this, is that God is a just God. And mm-hmm. Revelation chapter 19 tells us right before the second coming of Jesus Christ that um, that uh, in heaven it will be spoken that righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. Righteous and true are your decisions. So everything that he does, we can just trust that it's going to be righteous and it's going to mm-hmm. be just. And and he, I just leave it there. And mm-hmm. Lord, you're going to be just. We're not going to be up in heaven saying, well, that wasn't fair. We know that Paul talks about in Romans chapter one that you know the invisible attributes around you know declare of God that no one is without excuse. So God's going to be just in that, and and sometimes and, and when I hear you asking this, it's a very sincere question that I think it's an important. You know, it, it's something that we can wonder sometimes when people ask me this because you said. You know, I'm sure you've been asked this a thousand times. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I get asked this uh, maybe on the show or after a service that they will ask that to be a little bit combative or, you know, it's not fair, God's not fair, he's not just, or whatever the case may be. And the thing is, righteous and true are your judgments, Lord, are your decisions. He will be perfectly just, perfectly true to the decisions and judgments that he makes but what I tell people is you have heard the gospel, so how are you going to respond to it? So that's where I have to leave it, and I have to trust in the Lord um, who is so gracious and so loving. Um, but, you know, we're trying to reconcile that. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But what about that person who perhaps who's never and never has? Or, you know, that's why we want to spread the gospel. But righteous and true are your judgments, O oh Lord, and I just got to leave it at that. Right, and I guess that would be the same answer if it involved a, a child or somebody, an adolescent, or somebody who wasn't right. ma- mentally capable of making that decision. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that, same, that same kind of answer. And that's a good point that you just made, um, Nick. And so, um, you know, we just got to trust in the Lord and uh, rest in his love and his provision for us, and that's what I do. But, you know, I think it's so important uh, for those, particularly who ask that question out of, well, God's not fair, to understand that God is more fair than any of us. He's the Mm -hmm. one that can truly judge, and he will be just, perfectly just. And that's the declaration of all of us when we get to heaven. So, all right, Nick, thanks. You guys stay warm out there in the East, okay? (laughs) All right, Rick. Bye-bye. All right. Happy New Year. God bless you. All right. 303-690-3000. We do have um, open lines, and so give us a call and very good questions, uh, and uh, we can search the Scriptures and go to God's Word together. Uh, and there is a text line. If we get a minute, we'll go to that text line. You can text in prayer requests or questions as well, 720-336-0897. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado, and so blessed to be back with you as we enter into New Year 2018. I do want to make a quick announcement, um, and that is uh, on Chris uh, New Year's Eve, uh, this last Sunday, I did a prophecy update. I traditionally do 
a prophecy update, and I did a message entitled A Noise from the North as we went to the book of Ezekiel. And then I'm going to do part two this Sunday, A Nation Not Mentioned. And so if you have opportunity to come, we have three morning services at 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock as we go to God's Word. And to remember that we are to be the wise and faithful servants that's looking for the Master's return. And uh, there's been a lot that has been said about end-time prophecy. Matter of fact, I think one of the number one Google hits has been the end of the world. And there's been a lot of things out there about, you know, the Mayan calendar and the rapture to church date setting and uh, the four blood moons and the Shemitahs and the great signs of Revelation chapter 12. And I just want to remind us that we need to keep everything in context and what the Word of God has to say. And some Christians have pushed away from Bible prophecy But that's not the response. What we are to do is be discerning and wise in the day in which we're living in. And I just want to encourage all of you that are listening, we live in very unique times that we are living in the days of Ezekiel. We are seeing things happen right before our eyes that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ, and that I pray that it would cause us to remember that he said, occupy till I come, um, to be wise, to be watching, and also to be serving. So it doesn't mean we stick our heads in the sand, but we are discerning in the days in which we are living in. And uh, so hopefully that's an encouragement. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're going through the book of Isaiah, a wonderful prophetic book that we are studying. So come join us Wednesdays at 7, Sunday mornings, three Sunday morning services, 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. We have youth groups, children's ministry. I think we have one of the best children's ministry that is out there, many who are teaching the love of Jesus Christ and the Word of God to your children at their level, a nursery that is provided for the little ones that are loved and cared for and safe, and we have uh, youth groups, and we have young adults on Friday nights. So check out our website, calvarychapelgreeley.com. We'd love to to meet you and serve you in any way that we can. We see it as a privilege here in the new year, 2018. Well, let's go to line two to Tim and Brighton. Hello, Tim, Pastor. how are you? I'm good. Doing how well. are you? How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Happy New Year. You sound like you're doing good. Hey, good. Uh, I heard Chris on there, and uh, I know just what he's talking about. As far as uh, why don't why don't I just go back to smoking dope and drinking? If if all if 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 this is a bunch of works that we have to do, or or if I'm going right. to get to heaven and 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 you know get shut down. And and I felt that, and, and eight years ago, I even you know I, I lived a Christian life, was going to church every Sunday, and then I but I I still felt empty, like like there was something yeah. missing, and and the reason that was was because I was trying to to do instead of just be, to be right. a Christian. And, Amen. And and it was about that time I heard someone uh, tell about uh, Exchange Life Ministries. Uh-huh. And uh, how, you know, they, they they told what my life was like. You know, I was just waiting just for the rapture, you know, praying for the rapture, or just so I could just die. I was just like suicidal walking around. I wouldn't pull the trigger, but but it was like, you know, I don't want to be here no more, just because I, I had no joy. Right. And after hearing that, I, I said, man, i got to go here and see what they have. So I went to the conference, and I sat through it, and, and they explained, explain to it about how how it's, it's not living it's about being how it's about right. uh about uh knowing who god is 
and knowing who we are in Him. That is what the Christian life is. And right, then be- right. because of that, we're able to uh, to live the life because because we actually believe it. But you have it's about believing God and who He is and who He right. says that we are. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And here's the thing, um, uh, Tim is that. There's Christians, and if they come out of a legalistic system or performance, or faith is based on performance, you're going to be up and down like a roller coaster, and right. and you'll do well for a little bit, and then you know you're discouraged, and we're you know it is in the um in, from the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament that becomes the theme of Romans becomes the theme of. Galatians and also of Hebrews is what that the just shall live by faith, right. and for Christians to understand that because sometimes they're performance oriented to where if I perform, then right. God will love me more, right. then then I'll have the favor of God, and rather than understanding, you have the favor of God, right. and as I mentioned that. Um, there is, and you touched on this in your comments, there's a big difference between I have to and I get to. Right. You know, I've got to and I want to. Yeah, I've, I've been and, able to enjoy for the last eight years that's just great. I, I can't even explain it. But I, yeah. I got my joy back, and it was just like you were talking about in Revelations 3, and that that's what I was missing. I was just I was walking yeah. through life trying to perform trying to get God's favor, and then wondering why things didn't go perfectly because I was trying so hard. And, right. and now things aren't going well, but it doesn't really matter. Because yeah. I, got, I have a future and I have hope. So, Amen. And and that's the thing. And God still calls us to repentance. Yeah. He calls us to a life following after Him, but I don't have to be condemned. And right. I don't, you know, and that's the thing. The conviction, I'm thankful I've learned it for the conviction of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, because it's to draw me to him, not to push me away. But condemnation that comes from the enemy and comes from legalism will push you away because you'll never be good enough. And and you're thinking, I'm such a spiritual waste. Lord, you must be so disappointed with me. I'm not what I could be. I'm not what I yeah. should be. And yeah. and that will kill your faith and that will kill your walk with the Lord rather right. than, your, Lord, your kids, I— your ki- And your kids are seeing it. They're the other ones that know yeah. everybody else thinks you're great, but your kids and your wife, they know the difference. And yeah, that, and so, I, right, and I know that there are listeners out there that maybe you're struggling in this area. I want you yeah. to know that the Lord loves you and that that he, he will never stop loving you. And any conviction that he brings is because he wants to draw you to himself and do work. But whatever you do, you have the favor of God. We don't have to pray a certain amount of time, read our Bible, certain amount of chapters, you know, do this and do that to earn God's favor. We have God's favor. And then it is so much different. Like you said, um, Tim, that the joy will come back when we realize that, Lord, I'm just going to respond out of devotion and love for you. And uh, there's a huge difference. We love Jesus, exactly. And, you know, I always tell Tim, I always tell people, Listen, enjoy the Lord. Yeah. Enjoy him. Yeah. And and there are people 
Yeah, and and people say, well, we're to fear the Lord. Yeah, and well, that's I, not. I, a, I even un- started dabbling with a little marijuana and, and some and yeah. alcohol. And, and I tell you what, compared to the joy that we have in Jesus Christ, it's absolutely nothing. It's so disappointing. Right. It's like why? And, because and, the world will let you down. Yeah. 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 And it will. the things it, of the world. It sure makes it seem like it's what it is, especially nowadays. But anyway, that that new life conference. They're, they're having a conference in a couple weeks in Denver. So I don't okay. know if anybody would be interested, but but their website is www.elmco.org. So that's uh, like okay. uh, Exchange Life Ministries, Colorado.org. All righty. Okay. But, hey, thanks for your call, Tim. Appreciate all right. it. All right. Uh, hey, we'll blessings. Hey, you, Chris. All right. All right. Hey, enjoy the Lord. All right. And And it's wonderful. Hey, let's go to Ken and Loveland. Ken? Yeah. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. What can we do for you? Hey, um, so I'm studying in uh, Matthew 16, and I'm looking at uh, verses 24 through 26 uh, in particular. And actually, I've just sort of been all over the place today, but at the moment, I'm looking at that. And there seems to be, like, if you're out on the Internet and you're looking at videos and you're reading articles and so forth, there seems to be sort of this um, trend of... Um, sort of this teaching about radically changing your life in, in terms of what you own and what you do in, in order to be a true disciple of Christ. In other words, they're making a distinction between a true disciple and those who say they're disciples. So, but as I read, for example, 20, verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then, of course, 25, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there, that's being translated into you. You give up everything. So I'm, sometimes I find myself asking myself, "How how can I own a home? How can I do?" I mean, I'm trying to reconcile that with life in general. Yeah, and there there are those who are misapplying that when they say that. Do you remember in the Gospels the story of the uh, rich young ruler that came to Jesus? Yeah, and he he came to Jesus. And he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And that's a very good question. And Jesus said, you know, keep the commandments. And, and he said, yeah, I've, I've kept the commandments. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, um, rather than uh, going through the whole uh, text and reading it. Um, but as Jesus is counseling him, um, he, he goes through the commandments. You know, and I'm reading from Matthew chapter 19, Shall you not murder, commit adultery, bear false witness? And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And he says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The problem is this, and, and going back to what you're reading in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is not saying that we have to get rid of everything, you know, and in order to be truly his disciple. Because then when we give everything away to the poor, they're going to be trying to give every way, everything back away to us so they can be disciples. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that if you have possessions, you cannot be my disciple. What he is saying is if those possessions possess you, in your heart, and there was a problem in that rich young ruler's life that Jesus is putting his finger on. 
He says there's a problem here, and it's a problem of covetousness. And what Jesus is saying is that I am to be the priority of your life, because we know that God can bless us with with whatever we have. Every good gift comes from above. But we know that Abraham was wealthy, wasn't he? And he was called a friend of God. We know that um, David was wealthy, and he had a heart after God. We know that Solomon was the wealthiest man that ever lived. He wore golden sandals. He had the wisdom of God. But the problem becomes when we prioritize those things, and that's the tragedy of the prosperity gospel. Uh, That's the tragedy of those who prioritize, name it and claim it, and, you know, just send in your seed faith, and God's going to make you wealthy and healthy and all of this, because the riches become the priority rather than the Lord. So what Jesus is saying, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow after me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And if you want to to really find your life, then lose it. That is, I'm going to deny myself all those things of the world that were in the world, and I'm going to make Lord the Lord the priority. And and if he does bless us with things, we're to be good stewards of it, but they're not to have a priority over our devotion and love to him. And I think that's where you got to separate the two. But those who are coming along and saying you have to sell everything to really be a disciple of Jesus, it's like that's not what Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this rich young ruler went away sorrowful, but we don't know what ended up happening. And there have been, and it's just a suggestion, it's not Scripture, but there has been some, like Race Deadman and others that have suggested that perhaps that was Mark that was the rich young ruler. We don't know for sure. And that Mark ended up being in the uh, garden when Jesus was arrested. He puts in a note in his gospel narrative that there was one with a robe that uh, the soldiers grabbed and he ran away, you know, naked into the dark. But it makes you wonder. I, I like to think this rich young ruler, maybe he went away and he thought about it and he said, you know what, there is a problem. And that is I covet and my riches are a priority and and I need to deal with that. And um, and so that's what Jesus was saying. He's trying to point to that man um, that there was a problem. And, um, and, but, you know, um, look at Joseph of Arimathea, uh, who prepared the body of Jesus, um, for burial. You remember Joseph of Arimathea? Yes. He was a very rich man and Nicodemus as well. Matter of fact, Nicodemus, uh, tradition says that he was one of the three wealthiest men in all of Israel. They were both of the council. They both had great reputations as the religious leaders, but yet they went to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. And that cost them their reputation, probably cost them their wealth, probably cost them a lot. They would be persecuted. They would no longer be on the council. But they said, we don't care. We're going to ask Pilate for the body of Jesus. They were secret disciples at one time. Uh, we are told of Joseph for fear of the Jews, but they come out and they say, we're going to go on record. We own Jesus as our own, and he is our Lord. When we've seen what he's done on the cross for us, and we are going to take care of the body of Jesus, and they were used big time by the Lord. So it's a priority 
that, Lord, we love you, and um, you're the priority in my life. Whether you don't have two dimes to rub together or whether he has blessed you. And, um, and you know, the, the, Jesus putting uh, his finger on a problem when he said it's harder after the rich young ruler, he turned to his disciples and said, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, um, you, you know, than for a camel to pass through a needle. And what he was saying is, is that sometimes riches will, where we trust in our riches, uh, like the rich you know, fool who built bigger barns, but wasn't rich towards God. And so the Lord is to be the priority, deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow after him. Does that help? It, it does. It, it, and it all makes sense. Um, so yeah. Sort of a, a secondary question. Does it make, is it accurate to say that we cannot be disciples in the same sense that his 12 were, because they were physically his disciples while he was here. Yeah, they, they, they were the apostles. They, they literally the, did follow him around, which we cannot do. Yeah, they, they, they had his physical presence. We don't have it. So they are the sent out ones, the apostles. Jesus appointed 12 and no more. And, and now we are his disciples in that, that, the the principle still goes for us. This is for us to 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 come after him, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow after him. And so there's a whole lesson in that um, that we have. You can go and uh, on our website um, where we have Matthew and Luke that says the same thing and get more depth into uh, into it. But we're about ready to go off the air. Um, okay. But you know what? We have teenagers that walk around um, that have. On the front of their T-shirts, they have loser on it. And then on the back, they have this verse, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And if you want to find your life, then lose it. Just deny yourself and surrender to the Lord. So thanks for your call. Appreciate it. And uh, Ken, very good question. And everybody, thanks for calling in. Wow, we've had a great start with Calvary Live this year. God bless you. Looking forward to being with you on Tuesdays. And stay uh, stay close to the Lord and allow him to do that marvelous work he wants You've to do. God bless you. Good night. Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.